Blog Talk Radio. Hello, it's Tim from The Amazing Mess, and tonight on tonight's episode, we'll be discussing who will deserve the third-base job. Will it be Jeff McNeil, who came off a great season last year, or will it be the newly acquired J.D. Davis? I guess you'll have to find out at the end of the episode. Hello, everyone. It's Tim and Sal from the Amazing Mets, and obviously this is not Jake and John from last week and the last 10 episodes. So uh, we have a new era. It's Sal and I. So today yeah. we talk. So welcome to the show, Sal. So yeah. before, we get yep. in, before we get into everything, uh, let's talk about um, how, do you, how do you become a Mets fan? Uh, you know, just... Grew up in a Mets household, and then once they did get in 2015, you know, you really fell in love with the game. And you know, mm-hmm. that's sister. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who would you say is your favorite Mets player of all time? Uh, David Wright, by far. You watch him growing yeah, up? Yeah, he Um, yes, I saw him watching. I, I watched him a little bit growing up. I'm a little bit on the younger side, but I saw him a few times in 2010, 2015. And um, yeah. intru- introducing myself, you might recognize me from the last two episodes where I've co-hosted with uh, Benson and Jake. Um, I'm Tim. I run Mets.Station on Instagram and and NYM.Miners covers the minor leagues. And I've been a Mets fan for as long as I can remember. My favorite moment in Mets history is probably, other than Bartolo Colon hanging the home run, um, my favorite <laughs> moment in Mets history is probably David Wright's home run in the postseason. Man, favorite Mets play? I'd probably say I was actually at this game. The uh, best test with his home run, the NLDS. The first, really? That was like the first playoff game ever at City Field. That place was uh, place was rocking. Yeah, it seemed electric when I was watching it on TV. Sounds sounds great. Um, so basically, how um how this is gonna work? We're gonna in a few minutes we will get into our weekly awards. We're just gonna give a few more facts about ourselves. Um. Basically, um, anything else you want to talk about the Mets? Um, anything else you feel you should introduce yourself to? Um, what else we got? I'd probably say, what was the first uh, Mets game you guys you went to, Tim? First Mets game. Um, my first Mets game, I vividly remember it. I was five years old. It was Mets against Giants. We were late because I had a baseball practice, and my brother had a baseball practice. We got out late. We Brushed the subway, got there in the seventh inning, and we saw a great game. We saw Evan Longoria and Dave Wright going back at it, and it was just an all-around great. Oh, I know. Yeah, it was. No, no, no. It was Pablo Sandoval's time. Evan Longoria was on the. Well, I actually first that game was also Mets first Giants. It was. Oh, really? It was, that was. What year was that? 2012? I think I remember the score was 5 4, no home runs. Uh, good seats, all right. Mm-hmm. So, um, my favorite best player is David Wright. Currently, my favorite best player is Jacob Degrom, and I, I can't wait. To... Player. Yeah. Um. So, what else? What else do you want everyone to know about you? You're brand new to the show. Yeah, right. I no, unlike everyone else, I don't own Instagram, uh, like fan page about the Mets, which is has an advantage and disadvantage because, you know, I'm just a normal fan, not like these guys who really put a lot of time into it. I'm just kind of, you know, one really one of the fans. So. Yeah, absolutely. Don't need to run a fan page to be considered a big <laughs> fan. Uh, we just love covering the Mets and all that. But um, so, in a, so I think we, I think it's time to jump into the weekly awards for spring training. So the Mets played the Cardinals. We played the Astros. We played the Marlins, the Astros again, and the Cardinals once again. So, I would have to give my Cy Young Award of the week to Mr. Zach Wheeler, who pitched 5.1 strong, had four strikeouts, and just pitched great against the uh, dangerous um, Cardinals lineup, who had 
who's top notch. And would you agree with that? I would actually have to give it to Syndergaard, who pitched a, a great game against the Astros uh, yesterday or the day before that. Um, like five innings, no one's allowed, and you know the bats did their thing. So I would give it to him. Yeah, that was close for me, and um, it was either between Wheeler and Syndergaard for me. And yeah, Wheeler definitely had a great outing against the Astros, five point two. Um, walks were a little up there. Um, but overall, he had a great outing, five strikeouts, and yeah, we it was a good win, two to one. We tied against the Cardinals. So, um, going into the MVP award, I would have to give my MVP award to Robinson Cano. He has hit a few home runs, and he's just been proving himself. He, like obviously, we've known he is. This has been a great trade, but um, I think it's just. I think it's great how he's um been putting in the extra work. He's been staying at games longer, more he's been putting in extra work in the cages and overall just being a great team leader for the younger guys from the Dominican. For example, Andres Jimenez our second best prospect and Ahmed Rosario who doesn't have Jose Reyes anymore. Yeah, I was I would have also gone Robinson Cano as well. Oh, he's batting four fifty on spring training. Really going back into that, you know, two thousand nine Yankee form and is proving a people proving a lot of people wrong, people saying we gave up too much in that trade, you know, Edwin Diaz is much better than Cano, you know, he's proving a lot of people wrong. Mm-hmm. And the reliever of the award, uh, reliever of the week award was definitely a tough one, but um, I, re- I was really a fan of Seth Lugo's performance since the Astros when Syndergaard came in. Um, it was a close game. Um, he had to shut them down in the Semsonace inning. Oh, no, no, no. I think it was in the earlier innings, um, he picked he picked two strong innings coming out of the bullpen, three strikeouts and no walks. That that and no and no hits either. So that just amazed me, and I think he had a great outing. And um, I think he's definitely proving himself to be that uh, middle guy in the rotation. Yeah, I'd probably give mine to Familia though, just because. You know, he's we got him for a great price, about what thirteen million, uh, no, eleven million a year. You know, he's just going out there doing familiar things. You know, but you know, we always have to worry about. He's just one of those players that aren't clutch. But right now, it's being training against these young guys. He's killing it. Mm-hmm. So we have a few more minutes left in this topic. Let's bring up a few more guys. Honorable mentions, in my opinion, definitely Noah Syndergaard. Uh, you could definitely go back and forth on it. I think I think Zach Lear had the better performance. Pedro Martinez gave him a little dap up after the game, gave him credit for a good <laughs> outing. Um, but I think Nobis and New York overall had the better out or had a, another great outing for that Cy Young Award. And obviously, uh, vice versa, you probably think um yeah, Zach exactly Wheeler right. is here. And yeah. we also have to give we also have to give credit to our um Cy Young of the twenty eighteen season. Jacob DeGrom picked Jacob five DeGrom. innings. Left two left two earned runs. Um it was off um, Louis Brinson, who had a home run in the second inning or third inning, excuse me, um, six strikeouts, only one, two earned runs, and overall just proving to go back to his other self. And MVP, yep. there was no one else that really impressed me. Um, I think really, I well, like everyone else is doing the same. I'd say, like obviously it's only spring training, but I think everyone else is doing. Fine, but no one's really stood out. Like, yeah, I feel like Wilson Ramos. He's been this guy's a singles machine. All he does is get home base. He's a big guy. But. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I would definitely give that to him. But um, definitely last week he was definitely better. I think this week he saw him to a little bit of a slump, which is fine. Um, not the best outing, but overall I think um those those are our awards of um spring training week of. Three fourteen as of now, and currently the Mets, the Mets record this spring training is not that bad. Um, I I believe our record <laughs> is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the our record is um eight and eight, and with a few ties in there, and we're four and four in a way. So, um, so I think we're gonna jump into our mailbag. So we're just gonna have our producer Benson do a great job. So he's going to jump in here and um, tell us our first few questions. 
Yeah, so our, our first question tonight is from Sports News Coverage. He wants a Mets infield prediction from you guys. Okay, um, hmm. I'll take this. Um, we can both give our opinions on this. We have a few minutes. Um, yeah. So I think if this is for opening day, I think um, I'm going to have to give this to Dom Smith. He's been absolutely raking um, in spring training. He's been proving himself. He's lo- he's lost more weight. Um, two years ago, that seemed laughable. But Dom Smith has really been putting in that extra work, and he's been doing great. Um, he's been turning singles into doubles and just been overall a great player. Um, second base, snow-brainer here, Mr. Robinson Cano, MVP of this week. Um, has, a def- has a few home runs, great team leader, great defensive player, makes contact, and, yeah, it's definitely going to be him all over the years. Unless we get a famous injury, the Mets usually always have. And shortstop, another no-brainer in my opinion, um, and Rosario coming off um, a little bit of a disappointing season. But if if I'm not wrong, I think he's going to have a breakout season this year. Um, Yeah, so in third base, we're going to get into that. Um, I think it's either going to be Jeff McNeil or J.D. Davis. We're going to have to see because we're talking about that later in the episode. So you're going to have to um, listen for a little bit longer. So is, um, is that what your predictions are, Sal? Uh, no. <laughs> um, first, uh, short and second, like you said, Cano Rosario. But first place, first base, I think J.D. Davis can do a start just because Dominic Smith, yes, he did improve. But he's one of those guys that just rakes in the minors and cannot produce in the majors. And we've given him lots of chances in different positions, and he just hasn't showed us that. And honestly, I feel like he's just going to do the same again. J.D. Davis, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to bat 250, give you a couple dingers, we'll get on base these amount of times, you know. Um, and at third base, it'll probably be probably. No, no, no. we don't want to spoil no. it. No, we don't. I know. Well, <laughs> uh, oh. but like you said, McNeil or uh, JD Davis, if they decide to put Tom Smith at first, and with that, they'll probably uh, do some things in the outfield as well. Probably uh, put okay. one of their uh, depth guys in there. The reason why I say um, Dom Smith over J.D. Davis, um, I think I, I think you got to give Dom Smith a chance. Um, J.D. Davis has obviously had the highest batting average throughout the whole minor league baseball. But I think um, Dom Smith deserves a chance. He Obviously, he came off a little bit of a disappointing season last year, but I think we have to give him a chance. So, is any final thoughts about well, this they, question? What they could do is they put, you know, they put J. I think this is this year, they put J.D. Davis, and on days where whoever's in your outfield at this time is off, you could, like, you know, mm-hmm. they're talking about him playing left field. If that means making the opening day roster, you could do that, you know. We just got to see mm-hmm. how it all folds out with injuries. Mm-hmm. So, um, Benson, if you could ask the next question. Yeah, next question is from Connor. It's sort of similar to the other one, but uh, do you think Peter Alonso should be the opening day first baseman? Uh, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Um, most people would say yes. But I feel like from a business standpoint and a long-term standpoint, you're going to have to say no because you want that extra year, you know, especially if, you know, people are expecting this guy to be as good as he is. And, you know, you can put Dominic Smith there who has been, you know, raking. And you, and if you're the Mets, if Dominic Smith plays good those first couple of weeks, you bring up Peter Alonso, you start him, and then you trade Dominic Smith at the height of his trade, at the peak of his trade value. So I do not think um, uh, Peter Alonso will uh, start first base opening day. So I definitely agree with that. Peter Alonso, Peter Alonso, from a business standpoint, we need that extra year. He's going to be an absolute stud. He's only 24 years old, I believe, and he's only going to get better. And obviously, Peter, Peter Alonso has been um, a little disappointed, but I think he's definitely – I think he should get it. He, we, he, we want him in the future. We need him in the future. So I think – Bringing the extra year would be good for him and good for the Mets. Um, obviously, he's earned it, but we need the extra year. So, um, we're running a little short on this segment time. So, Benson, can you ask another question? Yeah, so we obviously don't want to spoil it with uh, Dez's question here. He's asking who will be the third baseman. We're going to spin that into who do you think will be the third baseman once everybody's healthy? De- uh, definitely Jed Lowry, in my opinion. Yeah, there's really no arguing about that. He's just Frazier, but he does everything better. Higher on base, yeah, let's... more home runs. <laughs> yeah. All right, so um, we're going to have to go into, com- um, I believe, a commercial break right here. 
So um, stay tuned, and we'll get into the T.J. Rivera releasing. So um, stay tuned, and we'll be back later. What's going on, everybody? This is Blake here from Rattle Up, your go-to podcast for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This Friday, we will break down the D-backs' recent acquisition of five-time All-Star outfielder Adam Jones. Following his move from Baltimore to the the desert, the D-backs are looking at some hard questions. Where does this leave Wilmer Flores? Is Cattell Marte moving back to his natural position of second base? All that plus our weekly spring training recap, including minor league options, awards, and the D-backs' recent trip to Monterey, Mexico. We'll get you back to this show, but before we do that, make sure to stop by this Friday at 10 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain Time for this week's episode of Rattle Up. See you there. Hello, we're back from commercial break, and we're going to be talking about a little bit of a different topic. We're going to be talking about T.J. Rivera. Um, T.J. Rivera has been an infielder for the Mets for, I think, about a few years now, and he's definitely been um, a pretty good hitter overall. So um, what's your initial thoughts on this move and transaction we made this earlier in the week? So. Uh, honestly... It's not that big of a deal, you know. You have, you know, Brody's been great going out and getting depth, and there's really no need for him. We could, with the amount of infielders we have, we could make two complete infields, you know, with, you know, any way you mix, mix and match it. So, you know, TJ Vera, there's no need for him, really. So I think, you know, it's fine. I think it's a good deal. Um, I, def- I could definitely agree on that. Um, but I think, I think um, being positive, about, um, negative about this move, I think, uh, he was definitely a great player in 2016. He, in 33 game appearances, 113 played appearances, he batted 333, which I think is pretty good. In 2017, before he got injured, he played in 73 games, 231 at-bats, or 214 at-bats, um, 231 play appearances. Um, he batted 290, so he could, he proved himself to be consistent. But I think that, I, I think you made a great point there. Um, we have a lot of depth putting Todd Frazier, P. Alonzo, yeah. Don Smith. You, the list goes on and on and on. Obviously, T.J. Rivera was a great guy. He played all over the field. But we have more guys who can do that, like J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil. He wasn't the only one who could do that. I think I think uh, you made a great point there with all the depth moves and everything like yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, um, that's my opinion on it. Yeah, but the one thing I am, though, uh, I just mentioned in the ad um, that we released Omar Flores, we would be mm-hmm. paying him a lot, but he 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 was like pretty much better T.J. Rivera. You know, this guy could play, you know, you could say for sure, but he could play at least three positions in the infield, and mm-hmm. especially you know with the Mets with their injury riddled uh, season over and over again, you know, he was one of those guys you could put him anywhere, and you know, you you knew he, you knew what he would get, you knew what you would get out of him. Um, yeah, definitely. I think Wilmer Flores. Um, I missed him, but. It's definitely not the worst worst move. Um, but I think the main reason we did this is because T.J. Rivera coming off Tommy John surgery, definitely not going to be back until midseason. It's not worth waiting. It. I'd rather have some of the young guys come up, um, like Tim Tebow yeah, or any any of those guys making the forty man roster over T.J. Rivera, who probably won't see at least twenty games this year. You know, so I think yeah. it's definitely I think I think it's definitely a good move that we um did this just to make room for the younger guys and have room for all the minor leaguers who need to make the 40-man to, who are crushing the minor leagues and all that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. People like Dom um, Smith. Exactly. Um, Dom Smith, definitely. he's definitely taking up a spot of Dom Smith, as you said, and all the other guys. And I think I think it's a shame that we didn't – I don't think it's a shame, actually. I think, I think we should have made this move a little earlier. Um, he's definitely been clogging up a lot of room. I was a big fan of TJ Rivera. He crushed it at every single age group. But he doesn't have any upside. Let's be honest. He's 30 years old. Yeah. By the end of the season, he'll be 30. By, I would say, middle of the season, he'll, he'll be uh, 31. That's, that's like, maybe if he was 24, we'd keep him around and maybe wait for his upside. Like, Gavin Cuccini, yeah. who we really but got back. He's not going to get any better. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't know that. But um, you can't get... Bad, like too much better when you come back from Tommy John surgery, and we definitely have the depth to fill back, and so yeah, I think it's um a little bit of a loss, but um 
not too not too sad about this move. But um since we have a little bit of time left, um and this wasn't on the schedule what we were supposed to do, I think we have to I think we're gonna have to bring up the topic of Tom Seaver's dementia. This one this wasn't on the script, but um I think we need this is a serious topic that we need to incorporate into this podcast. So what was your initial reaction when you heard Tom Seaver in my opinion, the best Met of all time was diagnosed with dementia. Yeah, he is the best Met of all time, and it really was out of the blue. You know, you know, no one talked about him because he, well, he had dementia. So it really mm-hmm. hit a lot of people, a lot, especially a lot of the older folks who have been watching Mets for a long time. And um, you know, and they did say they're working on a statue. So thank God about that because he deserved it more than any other Met there was. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he's definitely he's definitely confirmed that he's not going to be coming to the 50th anniversary, which is definitely a shame because he's, as we said, the best man of all time, and it's not going to be the same without him. Um, we definitely have, we have a lot more time than I was expecting. So, um, any other topics? We're going off one right here. So. But um, any any topics you feel like we should be talking about right now? Um, any um, recent news? Um, well, we just done Carlos Gomez, like Carlos Gomez. So you know him, RJ yeah. Davis, all those lot of veteran outfielders. You know who is who do you think is making the uh, opening day uh, roster? Um, I think this is a good segment to go off of for the final nine minutes of this um, segment. I think. Definitely, it's going to be Nimmo, Conforto, and obviously I don't want to spoil it, but I think it'll be either. I think it could be. I think he could be Rajay Davis if he proves himself. Actually, no, 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 no. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Um, Conforto, Nimmo, Juan Ligaris, or Keon Broxton. There's definitely one person else who would be in that outfield, but I don't want to um spoil the rest of the episode. Well, at least with all the uh, outfield positions, the outfield acquisitions we've gotten between, uh, you know, Bronxton right. and Rajay Davis, you know, we now for the first time in a while we have a lot of speed. So I feel like no matter which guy you you put out there, if it's Davis or Lagares or Bronxton, you know, we're gonna have speed finally. And even having them on the bench just as uh, pinch runners, that'll help us out a lot. Definitely having speed on the bench in the late innings when people get on, such as catchers or anyone who's on the slower side of the speed level. Um, definitely Rajay Davis. Um, and definitely all these younger guys can definitely run the base pretty well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think definitely Davis all these. Hasn't... So, yeah, definitely this is where all the depth moves come in. Um, Reimer Liriano, he's proving himself. All these, all these minor moves, Gregor Blanco, all these minor moves can make a difference, like coming off the bench. We can have a solid bench. When it's the late, it's in, when we go in the extra innings, 14th innings, we need a bench bat. Romero Liriano, Gregory Blanco, Rajay Davis. Yeah. All these little depth moves can make the slightest bit difference. That base hit could turn into a walk off home run one by one. Like, yeah, in all be, sports, really, especially baseball, you need depth. In 2015, how we turned it around is we went out and uh, got uh, Juan Uribe, Kelly Johnson. You know, obviously, we traded for Cespedes. And that added a lot of depth to a injury riddled Mets team. And by the time the playoffs rolled around, everyone was healthy. You know, you had guys, you know, Ron Uribe, Uribe had a clutch hit in the NLDS, which, uh, you know, extended the Mets' lead. So if we would have mm-hmm. never did that, you know, who knows what would have happened. Okay. Um, what else can we talk about? I wasn't expecting we had this much time left, TJ Rivera and all that. But, um,. I think we should. Well, you had the Pulaski trade. Oh, that was a while ago. So let's um let's talk about something about um I think we should talk about who should be our backup catchers. Wait, no, no, no. Let's talk about Cespedes. Cespedes. So what do you, what do you think about the Cespedes situation? Well, we have. Six, five outfielders, not including him. If Cespedes comes back, um, you know where does he where does he belong? We're not in the American League; we don't have a DH. Um, you know, who knows if this guy's even? Be, you know, he's 
33, 34, Cespedes, you know, who says he's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, it's a, it's a big surgery he's coming back from. So who knows if he's going to be as good as he was Giles in 15 or 16. You know, when he gets hot, Cespedes is one of the best hitters in the league. But, um, you know, it's the surgery is going to take a big toll on him, you know, his speed. So, you know, you could even see in 2017, he wasn't the same player. You know, he was doubles. Things that could have been hits that could have been doubles were singles. Hits that could have been triples were doubles. You can see by the way he ran, and so I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, I think Cespedes would definitely become our third outfielder, and if he comes back healthy, Mickey Callaway is playing the cautious card. He doesn't want to rush any injuries this year. Um, nor does Brody yeah. Van Wagenen, as he said about Todd Frazier and Jed Lowry. He wants them to be a hundred percent. So. It, it might be hard to see um, Cespedes come back this season, especially when we have a pretty solid outfield. We have um, Brandon Nemo, Michael Conforto, potentially Jeff McNeil, Juan Ligaris, and Keon Broxton, and all these Broxton. other guys, like, um, as I said before, Rajay Davis and all, Gregor Blanco and everyone else. Yeah. We all just got to see it. Because who knows? We had this problem last year, supposedly, with Jay Bruce, Nimmo, Conforto, Cespedes. And Mm -hmm. in a couple months, you know, two of them were injured, and we had to go out and trade for a, you know, a million-year-old Jose Batista. So, you know, it's all about injuries. You know, if the Mets are healthy, we can be one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. And I think think last year we lacked a lot of depth. We didn't have too much depth going into last year, and now we have, like, a lot. So, I think it's – I think this – as I say once yeah. again, this this depth is going to make a difference. This outfield is going to be – as much as it clogged – as it's clogged up, it's, it's not going to be bad. I think I'd be comfortable if we – if like, I wouldn't be too comfortable, but I think if Michael Conforto and Brandon Nemo were to sit out for a few days, I'd be comfortable with Juan Lagares, Keon Broxton, and Jeff McNeil, like we have, we we can easily slide in people anywhere, any any time, any place, and even if they get hurt, like if the Mets, like history comes back for them, and like the injuries keep piling up, piling up, piling up, we have we can just place anyone there. Like last year, it like it just looked like we scrambled to bring in anyone. Like eventually, brought we brought in Don Smith to play in left field when um Cespedes got injured in, late in yeah. summertime. July, which we know how that went with yeah. the Ahmed Rosario and Down Smith play. But yeah, I think yeah. I think yeah, I think the I Mets think the problem the problems that the Mets have now, like, you know, with they literally have too much depth and that's one of the best problems they have in the league. You know, you have too many exactly. good players and you know, as a Mets fan you could you know, you can only be excited about that. Hey, um it totally, exactly, absolutely. Um so yeah, I think. Uh, so um, I just got another question. I know it's not mailbag, but we have one more minute until we have to take a break. Um, who will be? How will Robinson Cano do this season? Do you want to take this? Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, Cano, you know, if he plays, if he plays half as good the way he's been playing in the, you know, obviously he's a veteran, so he he knows how, you know, all the young guys are gonna play, but. If he plays half as good, literally, if you take his stats and stats and divide it in half, if he plays half as good as he is now, you know he'll be great. He's batting just under 500 in the minor leagues. You know, in 80 games last year, he hit um, 30 home. Uh, he batted 300, hit 10 home runs, and about like 60 RBIs around there. So you know, if you did, if you do the math, he literally times about two. Now, what the Mets need a lot is high batting average, and Cano does that. Besides bringing a lot of power. So with him and Ramos exactly. too, guys that buy, guys that bat for high average, um, you know I'm gonna be excited to see him get on base a lot. Exactly, um, I can't agree more with you. I think you hit the nail right in the head. I think Robinson Cano, as long as he does, I think I think if he bats above 280, we can call the trade a success. And that's um, that's yeah. that's supposing uh, Edwin Diaz will do as well as well as he did a little, if not like a little worse than he did last season. So, um, yeah, so I think we're going to we're going to a break right now. We're going to go into the Bucko Booth ad. So um, we're going to see you guys in a minute or two. 
Hey guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in to another episode of Bucko Booth this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. We have a lot to discuss, starting off with Trevor Williams' dominant outing against the Philadelphia Phillies and Jake Arrieta. Uh, the Pirates mashed five home runs in that game, including a big game from shortstop Kevin Newman. We're also going to be going into Jordan Lyles' injury issues, and if that might shake up the fifth starting spot in the rotation, and if the Pirates might be leaning towards using an opener, at least to begin the season. And then we're going to be talking about four prospects that made an impact this spring, so likes of Key Brian Hayes, Will Craig, those type of guys, so tune in this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. I'll let you get back to this show, but uh, just make sure to join me Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll see you there. And we're back, everyone. So um, we're going to be talking about Drew Smith. Um, Obviously, Drew Smith was sent down to New York earlier in the week um, just to check out his arm, but this did not turn into just an arm little injury. This turned into him having Tommy John surgery. So, what were your initial thoughts on this, Sal? Um, honestly, at first, you know, he was just this young guy. And, you know, people, you know, just any common Mets fan wouldn't know too much about him. But the more we looked into his stats, you can tell this guy had a, a give or take about a four ERA. And you know, the Mets have, you know, yes, they do have Familia Wilson, Diaz, Lugo, Gazelman. But you know, you also have those uh, two, three spots, which are very. No one knows who they're going to be right now. It's really give or take, depending on who plays good in spring training. And Drew Smith was one of those guys that could have given you that extra depth. And, you know, because he's a young guy, too. You know, he has so much of an upside still. But, you know, he's a young guy who will cover fast from it. And hopefully by uh, that time, because I, I do think we will be competing in this postseason, by the time we start to compete, hopefully he will be back. So that's honestly, I think, Drew Smith. You know, he gave us a lot of depth, but now we just have to work with it. You know, we might go out and sign, uh, you know, a veteran guy from the bullpen, but, you know, I don't think anything will happen. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my side of this, I, I was shocked. Um, I, I I was a big fan of Big Drew Smith. Um, he obviously didn't have the best season last year, but didn't do didn't do awful. Um, he He pitched in... He pitched in 27 games, 28 innings, and recorded 18 strikeouts and posted a 3.66 fit, which is not great, but um, it's a start. It was his first season, came in late July, and he, he didn't do too bad. He had a 5.8 strikeout per nine ratio and 1.9 uh, walk ratio per nine. And um, his hits were a little high, but I think overall he was a great pitcher and somebody like, it's gonna be a little sad to lose him for a little bit. Yeah, and definitely what you said earlier. Um, he was definitely on the verge of making that um final release. Out. Uh, we have the Diaz, we have Familia, we got Wilson, we got Luco, we got who knows Gazelman will make it. Um, yeah. So and those final two spots were kind of up for grabs, if you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So I think I think it's a shame that he's injured at such a young age, but I think this will only make him better. He'll definitely He'll definitely be back for the twenty nine or twenty twenty season, excuse me. Um, but um, it's, he's only twenty five, like you said earlier, which I think gives him a bunch of time to recover from this injury. And I think he'll come back better than ever if it's next spring training or mid season next year. So um, and he's and he's an eight, free agent in twenty twenty five. So we have a plenty of time with Drew Smith in yeah. the future. And um, yeah. So I I don't think. We need to. We don't need to worry about too much. We have a pretty solid bullpen. Um, if it was last year, I would definitely uh, be biting my fingernails. But I think Diaz and resigning Familia or getting Familia back and just strengthening and depth, as we stated earlier, I think um, it's definitely great that we got all the steps because as once again we can just slide someone right in his spot. And yeah, so we don't need to worry too much about this injury, but. It's going to be a loss yeah. because definitely a good young pitcher who has a good upside, and hopefully this uh, Tommy John surgery doesn't affect his future and all that. Yeah, you also said he was, um, you know, he gave up a decent amount of hits, which is true. But, you know, some pe- you know, some pitchers are just contact pitchers, you know, that just like, you know, that aren't maybe, you know, the fanciest ones that have a, you know, a giant curveball with sliver. 
slider, but, you know, they get the job done by getting, you know, double plays and ground balls. And especially at a field like City Field, where it's definitely one of the bigger ones, you know, he he would pitch really well in that stadium. So it's a, it's a real shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, would, I I definitely agree on that. Um, you once again hit the nail right on the head. Um, um, he definitely he did pretty well in the minor leagues. So, um, obviously he didn't do amazing in the major leagues. But um, last year when he was in uh Las Vegas, which is now Syracuse, he went five and one with a three with a three point three one ERA and pitched in thirty two innings and had thirty strikeouts and. When he was in Double A, he absolutely dominated. He had a sub three ERA, recording a two point eight ERA, as I said. Um, and yeah, he he's been proving himself. He's been performing all over the minor leagues. He he was um, he was acquired by the Mets in 2017, where he was formerly on. He was bouncing around teams, so um, he's been in the pro ball league for like since he was 21 so he he has a little bit of experience so it's gonna be a little bit it's gonna be a little bit um sad to see him go but hopefully he'll bounce back he's always been a pretty contact pitcher hasn't allowed too much home runs if i'm if i'm correct only allowing yeah he only allowed uh two home runs last year which might seem like a lot but again this he only pitched in uh like for three months Imagine how he'll do in a later in his career. He 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 did phenomenal for his first year. Like like, am I wrong, uh, Sal? I wouldn't say phenomenal, but you know, definitely for a well, young no. guy. Well, he's, he's, yes, I wouldn't say phenomenal either, but uh, I think he did well for his expectations. He exceeded them. Yeah, we just got to see, you know, especially you know, he kind of he's like, you know, he came up at around the same time McNeil came up. Both played great for their position, but it all just depends for both of them, really, if they could play that good throughout the entire season without getting injured. You know, sadly, he did get injured, and even if you're not a Mets fan, it's just fit to see a uh, a young guy have to go through Tommy John. Mm-hmm. He definitely had a bunch of upside, but um, hopefully, I, he did he didn't do that bad this spring training, if I'm wrong, but I think uh, yeah, once again, he, you're right about that. Um, it's, it's definitely... Um, pain to see in our eyes, Mets fans. Um, a guy who pre- did pretty well last year. For, um, so yeah, it's, it's gonna be a tough loss. But I think we can definitely slide in guys like Hector Santiago, Luis Avalon, and all this other depth that we saw in this off season. And your um, big Drew uh, Gagnon, I think Gagnon, I think is how you pronounce it. But um, who else would you slide in those last few spots if we had to slide in anyone? Um, I definitely slide in Corey Oswalt in there. You know, he's just uh, there's really nothing special about him. He's just an average pitcher. You know, a nice back end rotation guy. You know, he's gonna be. You know, he's just gonna be. You know, never too many. Never had any big injury problems, which is always a good sign, especially as a Mets fan. So I'd probably slide him in there. And for the last one, honestly, we still gotta see who pitches good and. Uh, Training and honestly, it literally could be anyone. It could be a minor leaguer that we have. It could be a veteran that we go out and find. You know, we just uh, we got to see. Mm-hmm. As I said um, before, he did pretty well in spring training. Look at his stats. He's own one. Um, he hasn't allowed an earned run, so that's how we got the loss from an unearned run. He pitched four innings with a two point seven two point seven five uh, whip, which is which is kind of high, but four strikeouts. But I think he was doing pretty well. But um, it's definitely good that he addressed his arm situation. Um, it's it's the worst when you wait longer, and it's good that he um found out in spring training and didn't wait any longer into the opening day where um we could definitely see him. We could definitely lose spot there, as I'm trying to say. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, because if he wouldn't have checked, then he could have had Tommy Don surgery, and then. If he wouldn't have never noticed, then that could have led on to other surgeries. And, you know, as a, you know, just this, you don't want a guy have to go through surgeries over and over again. Someone like, you know, like a guy like that, but it's who's, you know, his potential is so high, but he's got to have surgery every other day because, you know, he just had that one bad injury and then it escalated from there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, 
a guy who I would think we should put in is either Tyler Bachelor, Daniel Zamora, or Tim Peterson, or Jacob Rame. Any one of those guys could definitely fill a spot and definitely could put in an inning or how how many innings the Mets need. Um, probably one inning, but I think we could definitely rely on those guys um, to put up an inning. And I think we have one of the better bullpens. We went from having one of the worst bullpens, but I think now we have one of the better ones. I think we have a a top a, a top um, closer who won reliever of the year last year. Familia, who had 50 saves the other year in 2015 or 2016. Um, we have Seth Lugo, who, in my opinion, has a top top five curveball in the league. Justin Wilson, who is a big question mark, but when he um, exceeds his expectations, that he's going to be unstoppable. Um, yeah, and he's the lefty in our bullpen that we need to rely on. Yeah. Justin Wilson reminds me a lot of Drew Smith because really mm-hmm. they both are not a lot of strikeouts. They, you know, really field is an average size field. So I feel like at, at Titty Field, he's going to pitch a lot better than he did at Wrigley. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to see him. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a little nervous about Edwin Diaz and Justin Wilson. Obviously, the Mariners come from Seattle, which is which is a a decent market team, but nothing compares to New York City. Nothing compares to the yeah. Mets fans. Nothing compares to the Seven Line. Nothing compares to these angry Mets fans who want a World Series now. And same with yeah. Justin Wilson. Obviously, Chicago is a big city, but once again, it doesn't compare to the Big Apple. Mets fans are the best fans, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I think <laughs> you need to perform. Oh, Obviously, you've seen them take it out, their anger on many players in the past, and that could be that could be a lot of pressure towards people. Um, I think our younger guys have um, absorbed the New York fans and helped them get better. For example, maybe Ahmed Rosario is still getting used to it, but I think Michael Conforto and Brandon Nimmo have definitely developed into New York very well. And most players yeah. cannot say they, they've played well in New York as it's one of the harder places to play. You could see you yeah. see all these guys in the past who haven't been doing well. Like, not to name anyone, but like, um, oh, coming off the top of my tongue. But yeah, he got crushed when uh when you know he joined the Yankees. Everyone was very excited, but you know once he hit a slump in the really the beginning of the year, you know you remember he went 0 for six one day, you know with like four strikeouts, and Yankee fans mm-hmm. just were ruthless. You know, you yeah. know New York fans are. Really another are. Player. They love their teams. I was gonna say another another player who, at the end of his Mets career, who seemed like a little intimidated by Mets fans. Who I was about to say, um, was Matt Harvey. Um, I don't know if it was just him and like the lack of him not playing well, but I think um, he he um he started to drift. He started off as a top prospect in 2013. And he, he just fell off since. He he was a dark knight, and he he was good in 2015. He was all right in 2016. In 2017, he, he, 2018, I just think New York fans got to him. The press got to him. He never wanted to do an interview from New York uh, reporters ever again. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, it was Speaking of Matt Harvey, uh, you know, you know a couple, like a month ago, a couple months ago, he did sign a contract, but it was for $11 million. You, that's, a, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of cash, especially for uh, – yeah. You know, a pitcher who just had literally – who was the worst pitcher in the league? Do you think he deserved that type of money? I do not think he deserved that much money. Obviously, he didn't do as bad as he did um, at the Angel – at 22. the uh, – yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, But I think – uh, I think, yeah, it's Matt Harvey for you. Um, Scott Boris is his agent, probably persuaded the Angels to give him the big money. He did all right with the Reds last year, but – um. I think, yeah, he just wasn't. But another player who couldn't handle the Big Apple was A.J. Ramos. He 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 had a pretty solid career with the Marlins. The Marlins aren't a big market team. Obviously, they're Miami. Miami's huge. The Marlins never had, like, New York-type fans. So, yeah, so A.J. Ramos came to New York, and we traded Ricardo Cespedes and Miranda Gonzalez, two pretty good prospects, and that trade backfired on us pretty, pretty uh, hard um, as A.J. Ramos – I don't even know where he is anymore. Like, I, he last time I heard about him, he got after it. And I think that's all the time we have for this segment. 
and we're going to go into yep. another commercial and see another. you guys in, in a few minutes. Don't miss this week's edition of The Ivy, as Thomas and Max will be on for the 11th episode, as the first topic we'll discuss is spring training news and notes for the Cubs, and then we'll also be diving into the MLB and how there will only be one trade deadline coming July 31st, and what does that mean for the MLB and the Chicago Cubs. Also, Pedro Strope might miss opening day, and if so, who's the Cubs' closer? And then also we'll be doing Cub of Yesteryear with Aramis Ramirez. We hope to see you there on Sunday for the 11th episode of The Ivy at 11 Eastern Time. See you then. And we're back. And this is what you guys have all been waiting for. Who will be our third baseman of the 2019 season for opening day? So, um, Sal, let's get your initial thoughts on this question. Who comes to mind when you think of third baseman for the Mets opening day? Well, it could be Frazier if he's healthy because, you know, he's he's already been doing a running camp for a couple weeks. Um, so if he is healthy by then, um, it will be Frazier, and they will probably put McNeil in the outfield if, if so, because I, I don't think Joe Lowry, he'll probably be back um, around, like, mid-April, maybe end of April. Prob- that's like, probably the latest. April 20th is the latest I see him coming back. But uh, mm-hmm. I think Frazier could be healthy by then, but if not, then what they could do is, if not, they can do a lot of things. But you, you're gonna put, you can, you're going to put McNeil up third, and then with that last outfield spot, you could put Roger Davis. You could put Dominic Smith if he keeps on having a good spring training. You could put Lagarde. So you could put Bronxton. So if Frazier ends up back by opening day, because I don't think Larry will. Larry will be back uh, end of April. So, um, you know, if Frazier ends up back by opening day, there's a lot the Mets can do. Mm-hmm. So for my, for my initial thoughts about this question is I, that I straight go to a – Jed Lowry. Jed Lowry was an all-star in 2018. He had a great year in 2018, and um, um, uh, he batted he batted 262 with an on-base percentage of 335 and a slugging percentage of 414. And he also put up a good amount of home runs, putting up um, he put up 23 home runs, the most in his career. Um, so what do you think about this, Sal? Well, the thing is, you know, you said most in his career, 23. The season before that, he hit 14 home runs. So do you think that Larry, especially where he, Larry is going to be batting second in the lineup or probably around, if, depending on if they bat McNeil second, he might bat, uh, you know, seventh or eighth. Because you know, if it's a righty on the mound, they right go lefty, 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 just start off the batting order. Mm-hmm. So do you think, you know, Larry batting second and also batting deep in the lineup do you think his RBI is going to go up and down? Do you think his average is going to go up and down? Do you think his home runs are going to go up and down? So what do you think on statistically how Larry is going to be next year? I think when Larry comes back next year, I think he's going to be pretty solid. As we said, um, Mickey Callaway and Brody Benwagon have come to the agreement they don't want to rush anyone after what happened last year with Michael Conforto. He was never the same after we rushed him back in mid-April. And um, But I think Jed Larry, if he's 100% and he truly is honest with the Mets, I think he'll put up another 280, another 280 season put up a few years ago, and maybe around 16 home runs. I don't think he'll get the 23 yet last year, but I think he'll put up a good amount of home runs. But um, the player that I would put at third base to start opening day is either J.D. Davis or Jeff McNeil. That that was the uh, opening. I don't know. Everyone talks about J.D. Davis at third. I just um, but yeah, this, re- is, this is this is my thoughts. So basically, if you put J.D. Davis at at third, we have to put uh, Dom Smith at first. I, I, I'm not comfortable I'm, with Jeff McNeil. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with Jeff McNeil at first. Um, but because his primary position is second. That's why I rather have JD Davis at first. Yeah. So yeah, if we if we decide to put JD Davis at first and go off what your opinion is, I think we have to put Jeff McNeil there. Jeff McNeil is a great fielder, as we saw last year. He made a few good plays, um, and yeah, so he last year he batted 300. Um, didn't didn't get on base uh, as much as the Mets wanted him to. That's why he batted second. It was a 317 on base percentage, and but yeah, he had 8 817 uh, on base or OPS, which is pretty good. Um, but this year in spring training, he has two home runs already. Um, in 28 at bats, um, he's batting 321 and 93 on OPS. So yeah, he's definitely been killing it this 
this uh, spring training. He started off with, with a little bit of a slump, but I think the long uh the I think the California native um is definitely gonna put up another great year and start at third base this year. Yeah, well, um, you know, you said JJ Davis at first, so McNeil at first, then you put JJ Davis at third. So then what is your outfield looking like opening day then if you don't have McNeil there? Um obviously I could have McNeil in left field and Scooch um, Conforto to right field and Nimmo in center field, which would definitely look better on paper. But uh, I think we need the infield depth. But I think my, my current outfield is going to be um, Juan Lagares in center field, um, Michael Conforto in left field, and uh, Nimmo in right field. So yeah, so I, I have confidence in Juan Lagares. He obviously hasn't had the best spring training. We all know that. Um, but Keon Broxton hasn't really shown anything. He was injured the other day, too, against the Red Sox when he crashed into um, the mini green monster they have in the um, Jet Blue Park. But, yeah, Juan Lagares, he hasn't been doing that well in um, 2019. He's done one of the school five on base percentage. The Mets have said a lot of times they're trying to make McNeil a full-time outfielder, and I feel like starting him off of the year at third or at first – you know, really isn't, you know, that isn't helping him. So I feel like at any cost, they want to put him in the outfield. And I could see opening day if, you know, they, I could see McNeil and left. If, you know, even if they, Alonzo really it could be him at first, it could be Don Smith. Then you could have J.J. Davis at third. I really, I could see that. Which at least if I'm the Mets, I would do that. I would go J.J. Davis, Don Smith, and then McNeil. Um. So, yeah, definitely Dom Smith isn't going to be back in left field. Um, Mickey Calloway confirmed he is not comfortable with Dom Smith in left field, or left field anymore. So, I think I think it'll definitely be J.D. Davis at third. That's, it's definitely going to be McNeil or J.D. Davis. So, it depends on what the Mets, the Mets really want. You made a good point about um, the Mets wanting to make him a full-time outfielder, and putting him in the outfield isn't going to make him better. Um, so, yeah, so. Well, no, putting him at third base to start the year is going to make him better an outfielder. But I think if the Mets really need an infielder and J.D. Davis isn't ready as he wasn't last year, um, last year, but um, I think I think uh, I think McNeil has to play third base. I, obviously, McNeil could play a solid outfield, but um, yeah, I think that that's my thoughts on it. I think, yep. All right. I think I think I think we might have a caller coming in. Um, Benson, I think someone DM'd me saying they might call in in a few minutes, and today is the time. So, Benson, if we have a caller, just let him in. If not, do we? I don't know. Um. So, fast. A Frazier might not be healthy to begin the season. But um, I think we can't we can't rush any we can't rush anyone back. If we rush anyone back, it's not gonna be good. Yeah. Um, we do have a caller from uh, Colin from New Jersey. Um, yeah. So we're just we're uh, trying to get him into a call right now. Hello. Okay. Yep. Hello. What's up? Can y'all hear me? Can you hear yep. me? Yep. What's your question, Connor? Uh, my question is, uh, the Mets have a lot of new talent coming up. Uh, who do you think will have to play their best game, and like, who do you think will have the biggest standout year with all the young talent, like with guys with uh, Rosario, Conforto, Nemo? Well, you know, what all those guys, I think the key to my top is this year, he's not really a young guy, but Conforto, because Conforto throughout the whole year, no matter what, he's going to be in probably fifth because they're probably going to go um, lefty-righty-lefty. Calloway loves to do that. So it'll probably be Cano, Ramos, and Conforto. If Conforto does not play good, you know, our lineup really is messed up. So if Conforto plays good, then that also could trickle down to our other guys like Rosario, you know, and Alonzo, who will probably be batting uh, down there at the beginning of the year. So, uh, yeah, Tim, what do you think about it? Oh, I think that's a good question. I think Alonzo will be our X factor for all of our young guys. I think uh, Alonzo, who, who has the potential to put up a 25-plus home run year, um, I think if he breaks out this season, we'll definitely see postseason for the Mets. But um, I agree with Sawa. He said, I think Conforto has to click and all that. Nimmo has to click. Rosario has to have a breakout season. 
Um, a lot of things have to go right for the Mets to be in the place to win the division. But yeah, um, yeah. Is that, is that your question? Uh, yeah, that that's my question. Uh, I'll give one comment. Maybe you guys can talk about it too. I think uh, this year that uh, makes this Mets team so different compared to teams in the past is uh, they have a lot of backup options compared to uh, last mm-hmm. year when uh, their starters would go down. Yeah. They were kind of like tough mm-hmm. because they didn't have much of a replacement on the bench, you know. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mets have yeah. that problem. We have a good problem where we have too many guys, and we don't know what we have to. We we don't know what to do with them. Like we kind of had the problem last year with the outfield between Nimmo, Conforto, Cespedes, and Bruce, and you know the whole thing with Bruce at first. Um, but you know, obviously, we know how that ended out. Uh, Bruce was injured. Nimmo got in, literally all of them got injured. So you know, they went out and got uh, Jose Batista. But um, you know, the problems that the Mets have besides their with that back end of the bullpen and that back end of the starting rotation, you know, we have good problems if there even is any. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Definitely. Yeah, having, too, having too much depth is a good problem. Um, yeah, so thank you thank you so much for calling in and hope to see you next week when yep. we uh, have this episode. So thanks, Connor. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Um, so um, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. So, um, I think we covered everything we were supposed to cover. So, um, anything you want to bring up? Anything, any topics you think the Mets should, uh, anything that the Mets uh, have been doing? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Jason Vargas, everyone, that was the big question mark, going, one of the big question marks going into this year. Um, you know, but he's really been pitching great in the uh, spring training. Yeah, he know? really has. And, yeah, the other day, he pretty well. He um what what told the stats real quick um what he pitched against the Astros I think so um wait I'm sorry I'm sorry you know, so, um, so you know, he's really going to be the the big X factor in our rotation this year because yeah, if he doesn't do good it could ruin a lot. Go ahead, yeah, um, yeah so um he so the other day against the Astros he pitched pretty well he um. Pitched four strong, zero earned runs, a few hits, and three strikeouts, which is pretty good. Um, he less than two, only three hits, which is pretty good in my opinion. Last year, in four innings, he's probably left like eight hits and like two runs and all that. So yeah, I think it's yeah. He didn't get he didn't get the support from the offense to get the win, but um, I think he definitely had a great he definitely did, had a great outing and proved best fans he can definitely pitch against the scary Astros hitting roster who that day had. Yuli Gurriel, uh, Michael Brantley, and a few other top prospects. Josh Reddick, who is in the prospect, but a few other top prospects who are very scary. And I think um, Jason Vargas definitely pitched very well against them. And yeah, he only yeah. up a double, and that was the big hit against them. So, um, so basically, um, we just have to give credits now. So I like to thank Sal for coming on. I think our first episode did pretty well, but I think um. Is there anything you would like to plug, Sal, for for great first episode and everything? Uh, well, I'd like to thank Benton, obviously, for reaching out to me and uh, giving me this opportunity. I'd like to thank you guys for listening because, you know, if you guys don't listen, then, you know, none of us are here. So, you know, all the Mets fans at home listening, I uh, thank you guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I definitely appreciate all you guys joining. If you guys have made it this far in the episode, um, DM me anything saying you made this far in the episode i really appreciate it and for more for more updates and all that i hate to plug everything but um go follow metstock station on instagram we're reaching 2.6k in the future go follow nym.miners on instagram where we cover all mets minor league moves and all mets minor league changes and everything scores and all that so yeah so um uh, before we go um before we go, don't forget, um, obviously, we do have a code on StubHub, uh, BPN10. Don't forget to use that. You guys get 10% off. Really is a good deal. Helps us out. Helps helps you helps you out as well. So, yeah, please go and use that. Yeah. So, um, so basically, I think that's all the time we have for tonight's episode. I would like to thank everyone who joined, and I really appreciate it. And welcome to the new era. And yeah. Hope- Hope you guys. So, uh, welcome to the new era, and we'll be back next week Thursday. And see you guys later. Peace.
Amazing Mets is produced by Benson Fector. Amazing Mets is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Follow Amazing Mets on Instagram at Amazing Mets Podcast. Be sure to follow our hosts on Instagram as well. Tim at Mets.Station and Sal at Sal.Mosca5. For more Amazing Mets content, be sure to head over to our website at BaseballPodcastNet.com. Follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at BaseballPodcastNet. Twitter, at BaseballPodcast1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Amazing Mets. We'll see you next time.